everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today's going to be a great interview. Right now, we are on the phone with Jonathan Golden. He is the pastor and founder of Land of a Thousand Hills Coffee. He's the author of BU Do Good, and he's a pastor over at St. Peter's Place in Roswell, Georgia. Uh, sir, thank you for joining us on the call. Avery, it's a pleasure to be with you. So listen, we've been looking forward to uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you for a, a, a while, and uh, you have a, a, a unique perspective, being the uh, the president and the founder of an organization, a successful organization. And uh, on this podcast, we talk a lot about leadership, how to how to get better at what we do, how to use the power of vision and significance to to achieve things. And so we have you here on the call. And there's just one question I've been dying to ask you. Uh, we, we see a lot of significant leaders reach roles, C-suite roles, reach president, reach vice president, reach these, these powerful positions within their organization. And you would look at that from the outside and you would say, man, it really looks like you've obtained, really looks like you've, you've got the dream job. And now you really just can coast on that. You know, you, you've achieved and now you can just ride out your days until retirement, you know, and you've, you've, you've hit it. Uh, but this year alone, when I look at the news, we see major CEOs being fired from their jobs. You know, Ford fired its CEO. Uh, Yahoo famously let go its transitional CEO and recently, Uber fired its CEO and founder. And so it just, it begs the question, why is vision not enough? You have these powerful visionaries that are able to take us places, that are able to dream things and, and build them. But sometimes we see them fall. Why is vision not enough? Why do these major CEOs fail? And what can we learn from those failures? Well, Avery, I believe that to start something takes creative vision. And, and, and typically, people that have vision and start things, they're, they're creative chaotic. Like I'm, I am not ashamed to say I'm a creative chaotic. And mm -hmm. we, we see it, say it, seize it. And we we get moving with things and you, you have that lead vision and it takes somebody who's pretty bullheaded, who's probably a little bit of a narcissist who can see something when there's nothing and, and take the step to get started. Yeah. The, the problem is the very thing that's a strength. Once you get started with something becomes a weakness when you have to maintain it. So, mm. Uh, having resolve, being reticent, being able to react quickly, those are things that are needed when you begin something new. But being reticent to listening to a coworker, being resolutely against feedback, uh, reacting to, to your community in a negative way, those don't work. So, I think one of the major reasons visionaries and CEOs fail is, is they don't learn to trust. They don't learn to make that lead vision a shared vision 
and build community. Wow, that is, I, I, I love the last thing you, you just said there. They don't allow that lead vision to become a shared vision. Can you unpack that a little bit uh, for us? So, sure, an example that I like to use is uh, Nehemiah had an inkling. And uh, for those of you that don't know who Nehemiah was, Nehemiah, this was back in Old Testament times, he he was a cupbearer to the king. So he, he would be the one that would take a sip of the wine first before it went to the king to make sure that it uh, it wasn't poisoned. Well, Nehemiah had this inkling, what would it be like to rebuild the walls of his old hometown, Jerusalem? And he, he strategized to get the king to give him safe passage. The king said, Nehemiah, get yourself back home, rebuild the walls. When Nehemiah got there, though, the city of Jerusalem was in very much disarray. People didn't have a vision for what their city could be like. Uh, in the back of my yard, it may have been my kids were getting hurt because they were going out into the wilderness. And maybe you couldn't do business at your place because the wall wasn't there. But what Nehemiah did, he didn't start demanding that people do things. He, he went to each individual and said, hey, have you noticed that things aren't going so well for you? I say, yeah, my, my kids wander off all the time. And he'd say, well, <laughs> Jonathan, what if you were to start rebuilding what you can rebuild, the the wall that uh, butts your property? And I'd say, oh, uh, yeah, I get my head around that, Nehemiah. And I, I come to you, Avery, I say, hey, well, what about uh, – would you mind building a little bit of the wall there at, at, at Victory? And you say, yeah, I can get my head around that. So all the ones that lead vision became a shared vision That's good. and everybody worked together. That's really good. And I, I, I can see that in a, in a daily leadership sense, you've got people that they have it in their head and what they want to do, but it never transfers to the people around you. Like that's a key element, making sure that vision gets into everyone else. I, I, I really like that. And I'd say it's not just making sure that the lead vision gets into everyone else, but that their vision comes out of them. And then we as leaders are meant to bind these visions together in such a way that it's a shared vision. That's excellent. Now, something you, you said that I've heard before, but not quite like you, you've put it, is that something that is a strength today can become a weakness tomorrow. Is Now, is that if you, you overplay the hand, you, you lean too heavy on that strength, or you, you rely on it too long and you use the wrong tool at the wrong time? I would say it's a little bit of both, but, you know, in... In my own, with my own story, I'm a creative visionary and I like doing new things and I like engaging in new things. However, so I'm what you might call a, a typical trailblazer. I like to get off the beaten path. But the reality is 80% of this world's population likes to drive on a paved road. Mm-hmm. And if I'm continually blazing a trail, I'm not making this world inhabitable. I'm not making it a safe place for my team. So what I 
what I've learned to do is I don't really overplay my hand. I continually find places where I can blaze a new trail, mm-hmm. but then I have somebody that paves the road and I, I learned to yield to them. So I learned to yield to my team members here mm-hmm. and in a very real sense, submit to them and let them be the farmers, if you will. So yeah. uh, Manu Guitari is my country director in Rwanda. And we talk about there are two types of people there are hunters and farmers. Mm-hmm. Hunters like to hunt and farmers like to tend what's there. Right. If you want to build an organization, you need to let the farmers tend what you've just created. And then don't get in there and try to stir things up. Find something else to go and hunt and let the farmers farm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Now, if I'm trying to not just lead an organization, but make sure I stay in tune with what's going on as Land of a Thousand Hills grows, how do you make sure as a leader, the organization doesn't outgrow you? Well, I think, I think there's a couple things there. If, uh, for, for those of your listeners that, that know the scriptures, uh, Ephesians four and first Corinthians chapter 11, both talk about unity. Um, that the, the hand doesn't say to the foot, I don't know you. The foot doesn't say to the hand, I don't know you. You know, what if the whole world like one big eyeball? It's, it's not going to work. So as long as I am willing to humble myself and elevate the gifts of others, hmm. the organization's not going to outgrow me. There'll, there'll always be a role for the creative, chaotic visionary. Mm-hmm. However, as that happens, there also needs to be the role for the steady, even-keeled relator. And when the member of my team comes to me and says, hey, you may want to have regular staff meetings, or you know, you've been traveling a lot, you may want to stay, stay put here in Roswell a little bit longer, Am I willing to listen to that? Right. And I believe if I am, we grow together. Now, my role may change within the organization, but that's okay. Because in, in true community, there's both a giving and a receiving of gifts. It, it's not a one-way street. When I work in Rwanda, we receive as much from the farmers as they receive from us. I think it's the same thing in an organization. Am I, as the leader, willing to receive from my employees and vice versa? Because when I do, I'm elevating them. They have a gift to offer me. Now, that's I I, I love everything that you're saying, and I I feel like we hear some of this. Some of this is put in ways that I haven't really heard before, but you talked about staying humble and I got to tell you, that's usually not one of the top three uh, characteristics of, you know, the world's top leaders. They're they're not usually these super humble, easily approachable. They're usually, like you said, you know, the the strong willed type A choleric, intimidating. Uh, How do you you started this organization? You've watched it grow. It's become worldwide. You've got 
you, you've, you've got farmers on the other side of the world. You've got, you know, churches using uh, you guys' product. You've got coffee shops using your product. But at the same time, you're saying you hear the voices around you, which all three of the examples of the CEOs between Ford, Yahoo, and Uber, they had people trying to course correct, but they didn't listen. How, when you are the number one or the number two at an organization, how do you stay humble when you know that you've got this track record uh, behind you to prove that your idea may be the best idea? You know, two, two things come to mind. First is what I call the theology of 38 special. For those of you that remember the 70s rock band who sang the song, hang on loosely, but don't let go. That there's, there's a sense of don't hang on too tightly. Um, I believe that there's a God that, that loves us, that created us, that redeems us, that, that wants to do life with us. And we can trust. So I don't have to have my hands on the wheel all the time. So that's, that's the first thing. But the second thing is just a daily liturgy or rhythm or ritual. And, and for me, I usually get up around 5, 5.15. I get the coffee brewing. And then I have my morning prayers. You know, I use the Anglican daily office, which is probably about 10 minutes of, of just scripture reading. And it, it's kind of pre-planned scripture and, and prayers. And then I go to my prayer list. And ever know I keep my prayer list. I try to go through every item on there. And going from scripture to my prayers, and then I go from there drinking my pot of coffee each morning, <laughs> reflecting, and I do a little bit of journaling and my goal setting, course correction. Um, you know, it, it, it's a fresh start. It's a time to renew. And I think we need that. You know, I, we, in our little church, we have a time of confession where we, we say the prayer of general confession, forgive us for those things that we've said and done and left undone. We're truly sorry, we humbly repent, and then we're assured that Christ has forgiven us. And guess what? That's a fresh start. Absolutely. Every morning when I reflect, it's a fresh start. And for me, anyways, that's a time to just reset. If, if I get going too fast and furious, then I stop listening. But pausing to reflect, then I'm able to listen. I guess I'm saying it starts first by listening to God. And if I'm listening to God, I can listen to my wife, I listen to my coworkers. But if I'm not listening to God, then I'm turning a deaf ear to everybody else. Wow. That's a huge statement. If I'm not listening to God, I can't listen to my wife. I can't listen to my coworkers. I'm, I'm probably turning a deaf ear to everyone else. That's a huge statement. As we're closing, um, you've got people that, that will be listening that are in all different areas. Uh, some are just entering into their organizations. Some may be in high roles in their organization. Some may just be trying to break into some form of leadership. When you see a top leader fail, it can kind of keep you from wanting to pursue 
leadership because you just saw someone at the top of their game go down. What's the advice that you would give to someone who's watching the environment, who's watching executives fail, they're watching pastors fail, they're watching businesses close, and they know they've got something in them that's supposed to come out. What would you say to those uh, that may be intimidated to pursue their gift based on what they've seen in their own life? So what I'd say first is if you're concerned about leaders who are failing, reach out and befriend those leaders because when a pastor fails, for instance, or a leader of an organization fails, it's as much the responsibility of the community as it is that individual because we tend to make idols out of people. We put them up on a pedestal. We we ooh and we do, and we don't treat them like a regular person. You know, we, we don't ask them how they're doing. We don't confront them. We don't ask them out for a cup of coffee. So I'd say if you're concerned about it, don't put them on a pedestal. Treat that leader like a member of your community. Mm. Uh, secondly, I'd say if, if you yourself feel like you'd like to become a leader and you're wondering about the next step, start doing it. You know, I'm, I was an industrial psychologist before I went to seminary and then started the coffee business. And I started doing consulting for free and started speaking, you know, at local head starts and chamber of commerces. And I started doing what I wanted to do and I did it for free at first. And I, I served my way into the role. And so if you want to lead, serve yourself into that role, you know, yourself with your, your wonderfully successful podcast, you, you didn't wait until somebody said, okay, here are X number of listeners. (laughs) Right. You started it. And I'm right. sure it started with one listener and then two listeners and three, and it grew. So I, you know, I, I like to tell people, if you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree. And I, I think, I think <laughs> too good. often That's good. We, we stay stationary. If, if you want to lead, get going and do it. And uh, work hard and, and, and trust God for the results. Excellent. Well, sir, thank you for speaking with us. Thanks for just sharing your wisdom from uh, your your heart. You you can hear your heart for your for your church, for your congregation, and just your wisdom that God's given you in your in the business in Land of a Thousand Hills Coffee. Uh, thank you for speaking with us. This has been this has been wonderful. Well, thank you, Avery. I appreciate your time and uh, keep doing what you do. That was Jonathan Golden, the president and CEO of Land of a Thousand Hills Coffee and the author of Be You, Do Good, Having the Guts to Pursue What Makes You Come Alive. Thanks for listening to Leading His Leaders.